Good afternoon, everybody. This is Ukraine World Podcast. Ukraine World is an English language initiative about Ukraine. So we're talking about Ukrainian developments. And now I'm very glad to have here Professor Oleksi Harany, who is professor at Kiev Mahila Academy and research director at Ilko Kucherev Democratic Initiative Foundation. Good morning. Thank you very much for the invitation. Good morning. Uh, Oleksii, my first question would be you're measuring uh, quite often the public opinion in Ukraine and your recent research can tell us a lot about what Ukrainians think and uh, what leaders do they prefer. Can you share with us uh, these latest results? Uh, we have conducted the poll in uh, May this year, so it's very recent. Uh, we conducted it together with the Razumkov Center. Um, I would say that uh, the results are not very surprising. So basically it corresponds to what we have done previously, what other companies uh, are doing, are presenting. The results are the following, that actually maybe for the first time during many, many years, we do not have a clear leaders uh, in the rating poll. So we have, I would say that we have a group of leaders uh, with, uh, with very dense results between them. So, And just to remind to our listeners that we will have, Ukraine will have election next year, 2019, both presidential and parliamentary. So first we will have presidential elections in May next year. Uh, and then in fall we will have parliamentary elections. So it's, it's, it's very important. And I would say the results show that we do not know who will become president. So this is maybe a good thing. So we have competition as usual. This is traditional for Ukrainian elections. Elections do matter in Ukraine. And actually the final results of the election depends on voters. Uh, comparing to Russia, this is totally different, totally different situation. Um, well, according to according to uh, this uh, recent poll, we have a group of leaders. So among those polled, um, about 10% are going to vote for Ms. Timoshenko, who was formerly uh, prime minister of Ukraine, 10%. Uh, second place is uh, representative of uh, uh, Anatoly Grizenko, who is uh, the party which is called Civic Platform, and he is about, he has about 9%. And then we have uh, President Poroshenko, 7%. Then we have a representative of so-called oppositional bloc. It's almost almost 7%. So actually it shows that the results are very, very close. So this it's more or less clear that, well, I would say perhaps uh, Mr. Mashenko will be in the second round. And the question is, who else will be in the second round? And one of the problem is that the so-called post-Maidan electorate, would be quite divided because we have a lot of politicians who are competing in this niche and it includes Timoshenko, Poroshenko, Gritsenko and several others. So that's why we have real intrigue. So 
who may become who may become the next uh, the next president Poroshenko's rating is actually decreasing all the time how would you explain it well it's easy because uh, the economic situation country in time of war it's uh, uh so a lot of people are not satisfied with present economic conditions and def- we are doing reforms reforms are painful and we may say that reforms are going in a zigzag way uh and clearly a lot of uh, yeah because we have difficult economic situation so actually it gives a lot of uh, potential arguments for opposition to criticize sometimes without arguments <laughs> so we have a lot of populist uh, populist statements from different part of uh, opposition so i would say it's not surprising that uh, the ratings of president has decreased and still he is uh, he is among leaders what about timoshenko how to explain her like phoenix like uh, revival again she is in the position niche so it's easy to criticize uh i would say that there's quite a lot of uh, also of populism among uh, her statements statements so but despite the difficult situation parshenko still has uh, potential to be in the second in the second round and if we compare the second round uh, chances for example timoshenko against poroshenko well according to the we haven't conducted we haven't put this question okay but the other companies did and they show that uh, in present situation timoshenko will beat poroshenko however again a lot may change and actually the main uh, rival both for timoshenko and for poroshenko the main rival for timoshenko is not poroshenko uh, and the main rival for at this point for poroshenko is not timoshenko but gritsenko because if gritsenko appears in the second round then he has a chances to beat both either timoshenko or poroshenko um the figures for mr gritsenko actually reflects again that he is um he is in the opposition niche but contrary to timoshenko and poroshenko he wasn't president he wasn't prime minister he was minister of defense but it gives him position to good position to criticize both to criticize both timoshenko and both poroshenko because he's saying okay these are old politicians I am kind of new one in in reality he's not a new one but he may present him uh, in this way so that's why it explains his potential chances but the most difficult i believe for Khrushchenko would be uh, to get into the second round because again traditionally he shows good results in the pollings but when it comes to elections somebody somebody is happen something is happening and uh, i can predict that we will have quite a quite a tough campaign and now both team of timoshenko and the team of poroshenko they will organize campaign against gritsenko because for them it's it's real challenge let's talk about populists you mentioned already and uh... I would say that there is a time of flourishing populism in Ukraine. We have Timoshenko with uh, very much populist statements. We have also Lyshko the Radical Party. We have Murayev and Rabinovich from the Party for Life. We have opposition bloc. 
Do you see it as a danger? The danger of populism, yes. By the way, Hrytsenko uh, is also using populist uh, slogans. He's actually he is playing with the idea of strong hand because he is from military. Uh, he was minister of defense. You know, his statements are harsh. He tries to demonstrate that he will uh, he will be effective leader. And by the way, in one of his recent interviews, he said that authoritarianism, authoritarianism is not uh, totally bad. So it may be a good thing for Ukraine. And this is quite dangerous, I think, because uh, in the list of successful authoritarian leaders, he put a lot of people, you know, with different uh, baggage and background that it includes Pinochet, it includes Lee Kuan Yew and Reagan and Thatcher and De Gaulle. And, you know, it's kind of mix. And uh, I believe it's it's a huge mistake, you know, to consider Thatcher or Reagan or De Gaulle as authoritarian leaders. No, they played by the rules which were defined and which are defined in Western democracies. But Gritsenko, you know, is lumping all of them together and he will try to show that kind of authoritarianism would not be bad for Ukraine. I think it's quite dangerous and I believe it will be... It, it can be used against him, so it, it, it may backfire during the campaign, because when Ukrainians, Ukrainians are asked, uh, will you sacrifice the ideas of freedom for the sake of better material well-being, most Ukraine would say no. And I think actually this is a positive a positive thing, because despite the economic situation, difficult economic situation, uh, despite rising populism, still most Ukrainians believe that it's not possible to sacrifice the democratic freedoms, even for the sake of economic well-being. That's very interesting because it shows that despite these economic hardships, Ukraine is probably one of the leaders of post-Soviet states. I mean, if not, if we not take Baltic states, but in this sense of cherishing democracy. But let me ask this, the following. I mean, we are very often criticizing Poroshenko. We're seeing that... Uh, and we have reasons for uh, that. We have reasons for that. We've seen that uh, basically there is obstruction of some of the key reforms, that he, he did not get away with his oligarchic nature. But do you see a danger that the next president, the next parliament will be even worse? <clears throat> uh, well, there is a danger about the next president, who will become next president. Be uh, yes, because of this populism, because... Uh, because it's one thing, you know, to promise everything during the time of campaign and another thing to implement it. Uh, and during next parliamentary elections, yes, the next parliament may have more populist factions and more than the present one. So this is true. But a lot will depend uh, on whether we will have a new electoral law. Because for the time being, we have a mixed parliamentary, a mixed uh, electoral system, at it, and it means that there's a bulk of so-called majoritarian deputies who are elected in uh, majoritarian districts, and it means that usually they align themselves with a party of power. Okay, so nowadays it's with Poroshenko. Uh, But we will have parliamentary election after the presidential. Yes, yes. So a lot would depend on who will become next president. But the issue is again, for example, imagine if Poroshenko would manage 
to win presidential elections, then definitely his party will have better chances, but also if uh, we will have this mixed system, it would mean that many majoritarian deputies, they would join uh, join Poroshenko's faction in the next parliament. So we don't know about that because now it's a huge debate in Ukraine uh, and actually I would say that Almost all politicians, they are saying that we are in favor of having purely proportional system with open party slates, but it's not clear whether in reality the parliament will vote for that. It's and already passed the first reading, but actually the possibilities for the second reading are not that big. Yes, correct, correct. Uh, and again, it means that politicians are promising a lot, but when it comes, you know, to vested interest and their own interest, you know, then it happens, something different is happening. Would you agree that the pressure on this electoral reform should be very, very, very tough from the West and from civil society? Probably it's as important as an anti-corruption uh, uh, institutions. <clears throat> um, I would say that creation of anti-corruption institutions definitely it's one of the key issues. And actually that's what Ukraine did. And despite all the criticism of Poroshenko, nevertheless, we have these institutions right now uh, and uh, just recently the law on anti-corruption court has been finally adopted so this is good uh, and actually i think that it was good that there was a lot of pressure both from civil society and from the west so in this case i think that this pressure was totally justified but do you think that the pressure on electoral law should on be electoral as... reform i am not as as sure. So definitely what we need, we need to have finally a new composition of Central Electoral Commission. This is one of the key issues for uh, free and fair elections. This is important and there should be a pressure for that. And I believe finally it will be, it will be composed. So we will have a new uh, Central Electoral Commission. Regarding the uh, party slates, uh, we should, I, I think that ideally, ideally, yes. But frankly speaking, I am not sure if uh, this pressure should be as tough as it was uh, if we compare the situation with the anti-corruption law. And why? I have explained to you. Because we will have these open party slates, but if we do not have this majoritarian component, it would mean that a lot of uh, places in the new parliament will be occupied by populist forces who are not in favor of reforms. Uh, I am saying that despite the fact that for many years, I would say more than a decade, I am in general, I am, and I was fighting also for this, for creation of uh, new electoral system with open party slates. But in the given situation, it's not as clear as it, uh, as it seems. Let me remind to our listeners that we are talking with uh, Oleksiy Haran, who is a prominent Ukrainian professor at Kiev Mahila Academy and research director at uh, Ilko Kucherev Democratic Initiatives Foundation, one of the uh, most well-known uh, uh, public opinion organizations, sociological organizations in Ukraine. Let me talk, uh, let us talk about uh, the way how you see uh, pro-Russian or Russian or pro-Russian influence because in 2014 I remember when many of us were asked do you think that Ukraine splits finally from Russia because there is Russian aggression there is so much anti-Kremlin sentiment we would rather say yes but now we see that 
parties with pro-Russian statements, uh, positions like opposition bloc or for life by Murayev Rabinovich are quite popular. What do you think? Is it is it is there a risk of coming back of these pro-Russian uh, sentiments? Um, I I think Ukraine definitely will not return to the situation when it uh, way it were uh, before 2014 because Russia aggression changed Russian aggression changed a lot and uh, in the minds of people you know so because now if there is a hypothetical referendum on NATO it would be one in landslide so now people do not believe that Russia is our strategic partner that uh, we should have a neutral status, non-bloc status, that Russia is an ally, so it's gone. But uh, what these parties which you have mentioned, uh, and they have support in East and South, they play maybe not so on pro-Russian slogans, but they play on social dissatisfaction. The dissatisfaction with... Uh, present economic situation and they are doing it so they will increase the representation in the parliament but uh, even their combined support would not produce the same results as it were for part of regions because part of regions the ratings of part of regions was up to 30 35 percent and now even together they would collect about 16 percent maybe up to 20 at best Okay, so there is a decrease. And I believe that uh, the bulk of Ukrainian electorate would vote for uh, post-Maidan parties. But the problem is to what extent the next parliament would be fragmented and what would be the new coalition. And this means that uh, in the new parliament, maybe it would be more difficult to create a pro-reform coalition. That, that may happen. How about the new leaders? We're talking about this interest, this idea there should be new leaders, not the old ones. Is there any prob- probability that they will come? And if yes, who do the citizens support? Uh, it's not easy actually to ask this question. Uh, if we ask Ukrainians, would, would they like to see the new leaders? 60% would say yes, we would be happy to see them. If you ask, do you see these new leaders? So, so 60% are saying, no, we do not see them. Among the new leaders, the most popular are uh, rock star Svetoslav Vakarchuk with 7%, then a showman Zelensky, almost 7%, and Murayev, which is from this party for life, 6%. So basically all this, uh, maybe... Zelensky again, it's a showman, okay, so he, and I, I'm afraid that he may be manipulated by some oligarchic forces. Murayev is also representing oligarchic forces. As to Vakarchuk, I believe that he would like to do good things for the country, he is patriotic, he has active civic civil position, position as, uh, well, active position in the society, right, so... He played uh, as a symbolic figure, so his appearance was very important during the first Maidan and during the second Maidan. Uh, and regarding Vakarchuk, it's not clear actually to what extent he will participate, will he participate in the campaign. But it's interesting that it's not announced yet, but now he has a rating of 5% and the leader has 10%. 
Okay, so he hasn't started the campaign yet. He didn't announce about it. And he has this rating of support, which means that potentially he may participate and he may change the uh, pre-electoral composition. However, there are questions also to Mr. Vakarchuk because we do not, he doesn't have real political experience, experience of government, governance. We do not know what will be his team what uh, would be the financial sources, what actually will be his his program. Again, uh, I do not have doubts about his patriotic position, but he is to answer very important questions. So if he is going to participate, then it's necessary for him to answer these key, key questions. Let me also a- ask about... Uh about one important thing which is uh, which is abstention right and uh, because in in these uh, in these of public opinion service we see that so many people are are either unwilling to go to, to to vote or do not know whom to vote for or are going to abstain from it so and this is a huge uh, first question how many people and second question what would how they would behave during the election Well, now 15% are saying that uh, they are not going to participate in the presidential elections and 20% would say that it's difficult to answer whom they are going to vote. Actually, I, I would I would say that these figures are not surprising and they are not as dramatic as sometimes uh, presented. So it's a usual stuff. So in general, in general, the turnout in Ukraine is... Uh, is quite uh, quite high and now it's about 60 67 68% for presidential elections that they they are saying that they for sure will take take part in this election which is not bad at all which is not bad regarding regarding uh, the the answer difficult to answer again it, it's a usual stuff but a lot Where's the intrigue of the campaign? Because these votes will uh, will may change a lot. Go to somebody. Yes, yeah. so th- they may change a lot. So that wa- because the results, as we have, are very narrow, are very close. So these people, they may change a lot. So a lot would depend on the course of the electoral campaign, on the different issues which uh, may be raised during campaign. Uh, definitely on socio-economic situation. It will depend on socio-economic situation, definitely. And we will see this year um, uh, a growth of GDP, about 3%. Definitely it's not enough, but it shows that there is some slight recovery of the economy. So president is talking about that, and this is good. But the question is how people would... Uh, would see the transformation of this GDP growth into money in their pockets because this is another issue. And uh, this factor, economic factor, will will be influencing the campaign definitely. The other factor is uh, the war in the Donbass because I believe that by um, increasing tension at the front line, actually, Putin may try to influence the domestic situation in Ukraine. Uh, and there are some other issues. For example, if Ukraine would receive a, 
Thomas from uh, Patriarch of Constantinople. So Ukrainian church would become autocephalous, so autonomous church, united church. It will be, and President Poroshenko now is doing a lot in this direction. So, for example, if it happens, it will give definitely additional votes to Poroshenko. So a lot of factors may influence. Let me ask about the war. You already talked about this. Uh, you spent a lot of time on the front line in the, in the past years. As a political scientist. So As a I visited, yes. Yeah, I didn't took a rifle yes. in my hands, but I actually been on the front line in all the hotspots. How do you see the future of the conflict? Because uh, we are now talking about the pos- possible freezing or po- possible defreezing, talking about the possible peacekeepers and the Minsk agreements. How you see the future in this uh, combination? Well, uh, <clears throat> what we have right now, we have we may call that this is low intensity conflict, which is going on. Uh, so first of all, it's necessary to have a stable ceasefire and withdrawal of heavy weapons in order to have to have the security situation uh, which is which is suitable for moving in the political direction. This is uh, actually this was prescribed in Minsk agreements because in Minsk agreements we may see that first of all security stuff is first of all and th- only then political changes may start. Uh, Russians, they have the different logic. They say, okay, Ukraine is to make political concession, and then we will provide, and when then a ceasefire may be provided. So Russian position here is different, and I would say it's as one of the successes of uh, Ukrainian diplomacy and um, present president is that now Western leaders actually uh, have understood Ukrainian position, security first. So now we have also the idea of peacekeepers who may come to the Donbass, occupied, which is occupied now by pro-Russian forces and Russians. Uh, and most Ukrainians, uh, overwhelming majority of Ukrainians in every region, they support the arrival of peacekeepers. But we know that in order to push for this decision, it's necessary to have an agreement from Russia in the Security Council. And this is a huge question mark. Uh, I believe it's necessary to continue pressure the Russian side on that. At the same time, I don't think that Putin um, may may, uh, uh, may provide some real uh, concessions he will wait for Ukrainian elections. So he will wait for who will become, become the next president, what will be the results of the next parliamentary elections, in order to see that maybe he will have more favorable composition in the parliament to make better concessions from the Ukrainian side. So I think what is important from the Western side is to keep the sanctions against Russia. By the way, now... I believe it uh, beginning of July we will see the uh, the sectoral sanctions should be continued for next half a year sectoral sanctions of the EU but the question here is a new Italian government so first of all and Austrians not, as well by the way um 
yeah, they are talking about reducing uh, reducing sanctions, but it's, I believe it's not as dramatic as Italian, the position of the Italian government. So a lot would depend on that. Uh, I hope that the EU sanctions would be continued. Uh, American sanctions are enforced. They were increased under Trump administration. The United States provided, finally provided defensive little weapons for uh, for Ukraine, which is, uh, I think, it, it's also important, and there should be continued pressure on Russia regarding peacekeepers, regarding freezing Ukrainian prisoners who are in uh, in the occupied Crimea or in Russia proper. So it, it should be done, but we should be realists that it's not clear. Um, it's not clear uh, whether Putin would agree to certain concessions at this point or not. What is the relations for you between peacekeepers and Minsk agreements? The Minsk agreements are often criticized in Ukraine as kind of a, the political part, as a kind of a putting Trojan horse in, inside Ukraine, an autonomous, highly autonomous Donbass, which will influence Ukrainian politics. So do you think the peacekeepers should help Minsk agreements happen? be fully implemented, or it is an alternative to Minsk agreements? Well, first of all, I think that uh, peacekeepers is not um, is not contradictory to Minsk agreements. Okay, so we have Minsk agreements, and you are quite right. Political part is not very good for Ukraine. This is true. But what is important, again, Ukrainian side is saying, let's have security part, first of all. Let's have a stable ceasefire. Let's have withdrawal of Russian troops. Let's have disarmament in the occupied uh, region, in the occupied part of the Donbass, because it's necessary to remind to our listeners that one-third of Donbass is occupied and two-thirds under, is under Ukrainian control. So uh, peacekeepers may help it. Okay, and if it happens, this would be good. And then comes the issue of uh, implementation of the political part. But I believe that now, before um, security measures are taken, before uh, peacekeepers are not there, so it's really difficult to talk about uh, any political uh, concessions from the Ukrainian side. Do you think that the Russia strategy has changed since since 2014 from the open war to kind of low intensity war as as you said but combined with destabilization inside Ukraine and a kind of a silent war? Uh short answer is yes. So the initial idea of Putin was to change the new Ukrainian government to control the whole Ukraine. Then he had an idea to split Ukraine. It failed actually and uh, what he's doing right now he's keeping the conflict in the eastern part of the Donbass actually again I would like to stress it because often we hear eastern Ukraine it's not eastern Ukraine eastern Ukraine is much larger and is peaceful so we have the conflict in the Donbass with one third of the territory which is occupied so we have a conflict there so uh, but now Russian um, Russian actions are more subtle, I would say. They would like to influence the domestic situation in Ukraine and play on the weak 
uh, issues of democracy because we know that actually the democratic rules of the game they very often they provide enough uh, room for maneuvers of the dictators in order to undermine the democracy so dictators are using democratic rules in order to undermine democracy and we have seen it uh, everywhere we have seen it on the eve of world war ii we have seen it in uh, united states during elections in france in during brexit in uh, german elections and so on and so forth so i believe putin yes putin is trying to have this campaign of influencing ukrainian politics from inside and using some destabilization when it's needed maybe my last question next week we have world cup in russia football cup what would you say to our western listeners international partners what should they remember when they're watching football games Well, they should remember that Russia is waging the war, the real war in, the, in, in European countries, that Russia next Crimea, that Russia is continuing hybrid war not only against Ukraine, but also against Europe and other states, and that there are Ukrainian prisoners. And while uh, a lot of people, of football fans, would watch the games, uh there are people who are dying not only military but also civilians who are dying uh under russian fire uh there are ukrainian prisoners who are on hunger strike right now both in crimea and in russia unfortunately the western leaders were not tough enough you know to uh, to boycott the championship in russia because we remember then when the soviet union started aggression in the afghanistan you know moscow olympic games were boycotted okay and now the situation became became different uh, uh, so there wasn't enough campaign in the west to boycott the championship in russia so we will have this championship right again the question now is actually from symbolic of point of view whether western leaders would go to this championship and i believe they shouldn't thank you so much uh, this was oleksi harain prominent ukrainian professor at kiev mahila academy and research director at ilko kucherev democratic initiatives foundation we talked a lot about both ukrainian politics and international politics my name is volodymyr yermolenko this is ukraine world and information initiative about ukraine thank you so much thank you